0: Welcome to another episode of Foxfire Farmhouse, the podcast. We are glad that you've joined us either once again, or maybe if this is your first time, we're glad that you showed up here. I'm your host, Josh Bartels, joined by co-host and friend, Elijah Heyman. Well, Welcome. Hello. Hi. So how's life been for well, you?
1: you know, it's been good. Honestly. Holding it together. Yeah, it's good. Still no internet. Still no internet. That's the only update that the uh, podcasters will ladies and gentlemen, know. Please petition
0: the President of the United States yes. to sign an executive order demanding that all of Washington State be covered with internet mm-hmm. by next week. I like it. That would be. It will definitely happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's not happening, nope. but uh, it's, a, it's a nice thought. Yeah. Maybe you'll have
1: internet by the next time. Yep, that's uh, that's the hope. Yeah, indeed.
0: So, what have you been watching? What's been cool?
1: What's What's your cool cool stuff? Oh, uh, well, this week, uh, since we're still on the DVDs, I have a DVD Mm. set of the HBO miniseries John Adams. Really? Yes, I have never heard of this before. It is a seven-part series with Paul Giamatti as uh, John Adams, and it is very. I honestly think it's very historically accurate, and it's done very well it's uh, it's got that same kind of uh it's obviously a bigger budget than something like the chosen but it, it it does like the same thing where it makes the people real and we have more information obviously as the daily lives and the daily letters of the founding fathers than we do the apostles uh but it shows them like even covering the front door with a curtain during the winter like little things where like that way they, they keep they keep the cold out like just little things, which make it really cool. But they ca- they capture all of the inner uh, inner conflict between the founding fathers and their need to rely on each other, and they really show the need for revolution, um, which I think is very. It's a subject that's on the forefront of a lot of people's minds right now as to not being represented and all that jazz. So it's it's a it's a good it's a good little watch. Cool.
0: Yeah. Does it so it starts before the revolutionary war? Does it go to his childhood or does it start
1: as an adult? It starts as an adult with him as a lawyer and uh literally starts with the Boston Massacre because okay. he was he was uh John Adams was the lawyer for the British uh the British soldiers uh, really? in that trial and they were all acquitted because of his defense. Hmm. that's and fascinating. And nobody was willing to take him, but he he proved that uh might have been some People from the Sons of Liberty kind of stirring up some trouble. Okay, on purpose.
0: Interesting. And yeah. where does it end? Does it end then with him as president? Or I believe
1: so. I don't really remember. We're still working our way through it. I watched it a long time ago, and there are some. There's little bits of content. It's an HBO miniseries, so have your wits about you. But it's not very, not prevalent. Cool. I think there's maybe one scene in the whole I'll have series. To check that out. Yeah.
0: I wonder if it's on HBO Max. It probably is. Is it? I think it is. I will have to look that up because that sounds like a fun. Yeah. Series to go through right now. Yeah. So today I had a news story come across my social media feed Ooh. that I've been digging today and sharing with a few people. And so I'm going to bring that up. Share it's a away. story coming out of Russia oh. about a boxer who was fishing with a pal on and was down at the edge of the water. Mm-hmm. And a brown bear comes out of the woods and attacks them. Kills his friend, Mm R.I.P. His friend is dead. Wow. Apparently he had a firearm of some sort. The Mm -hmm. news story does not specify. But he unloads four rounds into this bear. But the bear still keeps coming after him. Knocks the gun out of his hand so he has no gun anymore. Mm -hmm. He pulls out his knife and fights this bear to the death. A fisherman who was out on the water heard the commotion, comes in, and when he gets there... This boxer, this Russian boxer, is finishing off the bear, slicing off, slicing the throat. This boxer is just lacerated to shreds after this fight with his bear. But now he's in the hospital, obviously torn to pieces. Yeah. But survived an attack from a brown bear and ends up finishing it off with a knife by hand so
1: freaking manly it's it's awesome <laughs> it's the best it's like yeah <laughs> yeah that's men can do. still be men <laughs> when the, when,
0: the, when the bear kills your friend you kill the bear with mm. almost your bare hands i think it counts it's like counts bear Davey, hands? davy crockett right Yeah, it's true i yeah. mean it's not quite david level no. wait a second did david have the sling for the bear i don't remember if it specifies
1: it's a. Uh, it's almost samson level i think samson's probably yeah, that. yeah there we go just grab the lion and rip it apart. So cool. It's awesome. (laughs) So that I've been digging that story all
0: day today. That's awesome. I mean, I love
1: it. That's horrible for that person's family. I know. Yeah. But
0: yeah, it's certainly tragic, but his name is Denis Shibotar and he's 41 years old and just totally showed that bear. Who's boss. He broke the bear. Yep. He broke the bear. The bear is no more. And in fact, actually the, the, uh, Story says it's straight out of, like, an a interspecies Rocky film. There you is go. That's what they reference oh in the story. Oh, my gosh. So they, they pulled that out. Jeez. Yeah. So today's topic, what we wanted to jump into today, is actually not, per se, a topic, but rather a movie. Mm-hmm. A movie that we have referenced before and mm-hmm. that we both love very much. It's good. Made video. by Joel and Ethan Cohen, Their movie, Hail Caesar. Oh, yeah. So, uh, walk what's, what's the basic plot line of Hail Caesar?
1: So the basic plot line, uh, as the, the front of the title card reads, it says lights, camera, abduction. And so most of the story falls along this thread of, uh, uh, I, I don't know what time would you say? 1950s, 19? Yeah, probably. Yeah. 50s. Late fifties. Yep. And, uh, it's around that time of like the Ben Hur epics and they're making a Ben Hur epic, but the whole movie takes place behind the scenes. And, uh, There's these rogue communists that abduct the lead actor and a lot of hilarity and drama ensues with a lot of really cool other characters floating around there, like a cowboy who gets put in another role in a, one of those like anti-mame kind of style movies where he has to be very like, uh, proper and he's struggling with it. It's one, again, another one of my favorite scenes. There's so many good scenes in this movie, uh, and shot beautifully as well so i mean the movie the main character is uh
0: what's what's the guy's name again george clooney
1: george clooney. oh you mean
0: the main character in the movie yeah so josh, the main character josh in brolin the movie is josh brolin uh his name in the show is eddie Mannix. yes and he is the studio fixer oh yeah the i what would i mean the fixer is the kind of slang term but would he be a producer or a studio head like a kind of a studio executive but he's not really the executive either
1: yeah i i think that he would probably be i think he would be a today he would be a form of a a form of a producer but i think back then i think he's probably one of the he probably what they're trying to portray is that there's some middle areas because the producers are in new york right he calls them the producers so he's he he works on all the films he's just the company man and he helps make he just greases the wheels yeah makes
0: make sure that things happen gets rid of roadblocks Yep, and that's his job throughout the film is to get rid of all sorts of roadblocks. Yep. And he's just got to protect the image of the studio, uh, make sure that the people on the pictures uh, keep keep at it, and that they find the abducted movie star who yeah. is played by George Clooney, and he is the uh, Baird Whitlock is his name, mm-hmm. and he Baird Whitlock. is the lead Roman centurion in their movie yeah. that they're making called Hail Caesar. Yep. So, it's a fantastic movie. It's a really hard movie to explain
1: the plot of. Yeah, there's so many little threads that all intertwine and some of them honestly don't really, they're just there. A lot of them don't <laughs>
0: contribute to the plot other than showing the complications that Eddie Mannix has to deal
1: with. Yep. Because the, the plot really isn't, it isn't really about the abductions. It's about Eddie Mannix and his desire yeah. to. to do something fulfilling and something good.
0: And in that way worth. it's it's such a it's a it's a very character-based movie mm-hmm. with a lot of characters. Yes. And a wonderful array of it's it's a uh, star-studded cast. It is a star-studded cast, but it's not like something like Knives Out or where you've got an ensemble who are playing together. Mm-hmm. They all have at at the center of them Eddie Mannix in the studio, Mm -hmm. but they don't all interact in the film. They have their own arcs for sure. And so it's like following multiple stories through one theme. And it just, if you're looking for a plot heavy movie, you're going to come in and you're going to be disappointed and it's not going to be what you thought it was. Mm -hmm. But if you're coming in ready to take the movie on its own terms, it's a delightful watch. Yes. Every time. It's so good. How many times would you say you've watched it?
1: Mm, I've probably watched it upwards of 20 times. Really? I've watched it many times, and most of those times were in the space of like two years. So
0: I have watched it at least six. Yeah. But but I don't, I definitely have not watched it 20 times. I've watched it quite a lot. Do you, Family Fave? We're (laughs) going to take it. Do you use Letterboxd?
1: I don't. I was actually wondering what that app was called, so I could uh, Yes, Yes.
0: Yes. So it. for our audience, if you are a cinephile or an amateur cinephile and you want some kind of a record of what movies you've watched, there is an app called Letterboxd, mm-hmm. and it allows you to keep track of what movies you've watched. And it's easy to find them. It's easy to use. It's the easiest way i found to be able to track my movies. Sweet. And so I'm able to look back and see what I've seen uh you know see what i've been watching the last year how many movies i watched things yeah. like that and so it's just it's yeah it's really good and i was just going to pull it up and see if there was some way for me to see at a glance what one how many times i have seen any one given movie but i Sweet. do not see that so i'm not going to have those stats but yeah, yeah it's uh it's really good so let's talk about what is then the character story the mm-hmm. character arc of Eddie Mannix. uh well
1: he's Let's he's keep a, that plot. He's a man who's good at his job. That's the thing. He's and that and that's a theme in those old 50s movies. He's like I'm good at my job and I do my job well. Um, and so he's he's good at his job but he's he's struggling with like the monotony of of just being good at his job and he's like where where do I go from here? Like where do I find the value and what like he's given another job offer like close to the beginning of it. Um, and he's wondering if the like the juice is worth a squeeze for hanging out at the studio. And he's given a job offer with, I think Boeing like or Lockheed yeah, or something. Lockheed like that. Martin. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. To work on some like nuclear stuff. Mm. And, uh, they offer him a lot of money and they're saying like, this actually has value, like, and you're going to do something that's important for your country. Um, and so the whole thing follows him just going, well, it is is that of more value than what I'm doing right now? And it's him finding value and, the work that he does, and in, in movies in general, right? Which is why he I is. Love it. <laughs> yeah, he would have benefited from listening
0: to podcast number one of the Fox exactly. Farmhouse. No why movies, movies matter. matter?
1: He wouldn't have had to struggle. He wouldn't have struggled he, at all. No, <laughs> He would have been like I can make it through because of Josh and Elijah.
0: Yeah, he would have. He would have been listening to the podcast on the episode if it was not 1950s. Mm-hmm. He would have been listening to the podcast yeah. while he's running about his day, Listen through a gramophone. Yeah, <laughs> in his office, he's yeah. got a. A vinyl copy of our yeah. episodes,
1: and he's listening to them. Yeah, I don't know how many, how many uh, <laughs> vinyl uh, <laughs> discs lot of vinyl that would be. <laughs> so yeah. it
0: what what I find so interesting about it is that he. So this is a real struggle for him. Not only is it a economic struggle, yeah. because he has to ask the question of the e- economics mm-hmm. of it. Lockheed Martin gives him this great job offer. Offer they lock in the contract for ten years. They're giving him the option to retire at the end of 10 years and be set for life, they really want Eddie Mannix. He's good at managing production and they want him to manage theirs. So they really want this guy Mm -hmm. and they're willing to throw whatever they have to at Mm -hmm. it to make it happen. Whining and dining. Whining and dining. him, Mm -hmm. And he, in the middle of all of this, is struggling back and forth with several different problems on the movie set that seems kind of like... Taking care of a like being the dorm dad to a bunch of college students mm-hmm. is kind of the They're role that he crazy has
1: lives. Take. Just doing things that are hurting their careers, and he's the one who has to clean it up for them.
0: And the movie starts early in the morning with him. Uh, I think it actually starts with him at Confessional. Is that where it begins? Yes. And then it goes from Confessional to then him dealing with a movie star problem at mm-hmm. this is like th- four in the morning, really early. Yeah. So his day starts early. He goes throughout the day, comes home for dinner, has to go back to work to kind of deal with his whole problem. So he's working in through the night yep. to make the studio keep ticking and get things moving. Yep. And there's that struggle of, what do I do? I haven't seen my kids at all today. Wasn't able to go to the baseball game. Yeah. Did, well, forgot to call his son's coach. Just mm-hmm. little things that he's not able to do that would not be a problem at Lockheed. Yeah. And so it's, so there's the stress level, there's the economic level, but then he goes to confession later that night again with the father and he asked the father what, uh, he's like, what, what did he, how did he word it? If something is easy, does that mean it's, it's bad mm-hmm. or, or if something is hard, does that mean it's bad? And he said, yeah, I've got one thing that's easy that would be great. And then on the other hand, I got something that's really hard, this yeah. job that I'm doing that's very hard but it seems right. Mm-hmm. And the father just basically says, well, God wants us to do what is right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yes, he does. And then it, he settles it yeah. there and he goes out and he does his job. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so there is all dimensions of his person who are struggling with this decision. Mm-hmm. It's a spiritual decision. It's an economic decision. It's a personal decision. It's a professional decision. Yeah. All of these aspects are coming together to decide do movies matter? Am I going to commit my life to it? And then in the end, he decides to do it. Yep. And I think that on that level, I have to admit that I love the movie so much for that reason. Yep. <laughs> because I identify with the struggle so much. Now, yeah. I'm not in movies, yep. but there's constantly that sense of, should I even care about them mm-hmm. like I do? Should I try to make them? Should I try to work in any kind of movie industry? Yeah. And. So there's a lot of selfish reasons or personal reasons why this appeals to me yeah that uh kind of bypass some of those plot issues that other people might have
1: with it yeah for sure I mean yeah <laughs> that's
0: good yeah
1: it's yeah, it's a, a that's a pretty good recap and I
0: mean, on the on the uh on the art of the of the movie what is so beautiful why I think it's such a delightful watch is because it's so quick-paced. You mm-hmm. have characters moving in here and there, and then it will slow down and spend time on a musical number that is being performed on one of the sound stages. Yep. And then there's a uh, – not not interpretive swimming. Uh, what do they call that? The uh, Synchronized swimming. Synchronized swimming. Yeah. There's a synchronized swimming scene that's super cool. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, tap dance number. Yeah. There's odd – Channing
1: Tatum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? There's just
0: so many odd – quirky characters and quirky circumstances that you get to watch and to end up playing out and paying off later yeah it's just such a beautiful film and one of my favorite moments in the whole thing is in the editing room and if you you should just go watch it but i'm gonna describe it now yeah he's going into the editing room to see how things are going with Hobie Doyle's movie that he's been doing with mm-hmm. Mr. Lorenz, and Mr. Lorenz is super frustrated with this cowboy who now is thrown into this picture that yeah. is a classy picture. Would that it were so simple. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great scene. You should look that up at least just for itself. But he is watching the reel, and the lady who's the editor yeah. is sitting there, and you see the you're you're watching with Eddie Mannix this mm-hmm. scene. And suddenly the picture goes bad and the sound slows down and everything is messed up. And he looks over and her scarf that she's wearing she's like, has been <laughs> caught in the machine. <laughs> and she's just choking. She's like tapping the reverse, like yeah. reverse, reverse. <laughs> <laughs> and so he has to reverse it to kind of get her back out of the editing machine. It's just it's that's, just delightful.
1: That's what I love, like a big a big part of why this movie plays. And I think we're, we'll get into that there's more people than directors, but the Coen brothers – know how to like make things make things seem like real and or at least grounded i think grounded is a better term Mm -hmm. grounded and allow for other layers to be in things like allow there to be comedy and some very serious moments like you'll see that in like some of their darker films that like something horrible just happens and somebody like does something awkward where like they trip and fall over or something and they're like oh sorry like people are like fallible and like the lady gets her neck her little thing caught in the the real like who yeah. who, who thinks to who exactly. put, put that in there like yeah she has this little scarf and it gets caught in there like it's yeah. just a funny little thing and we, I, yeah
0: humans are have all sorts of little ticks that little make us yeah. real and real people Yep. and it's just beautiful when they're all put in there so well yeah so i love it it's mm-hmm. delightful yeah so we wanted to talk a little bit about the different roles on a film set since this movie is set on movie sets mm-hmm. and we have the opportunity we want to talk just in brief about the different roles and what part they play in the making of a movie. Because when you're thinking about a movie that has been made, you have to ask the question who made it Mm -hmm. and who is responsible for this movie being good. And there are so many different fingers involved in a movie. It's not like a painting. So if you have a painting, as I'm, Speaking out of my depth here, yeah. but I think it's pretty <laughs> clear that there is a painter who yeah. painted that painting, and we we don't ask questions with a painting like, oh, who made your canvas? Right yeah. now, we might ask who made the frame, yeah. right? That it was ended up being frame, beautiful frame, yeah. But but as far as the canvas, we're not asking, oh man, who who created the paints or who mixed them? We're assuming that the majority of that work was done by the artist, and that yeah. the things. That other people contributed didn't actually make a difference in what it looks like. Yeah. It's really a question of materials and tools. Mm -hmm. Uh, But with movies, it's such a collaborative art and and a collaborative medium that it's really hard to say who made this movie and who is responsible for what. And so you have to just be aware of the different actors not mm-hmm. not actors but the different people involved in the movie set yeah. in making the movie so we just wanted to run through some of the big big yeah. names and uh kind of talk about
1: them for a moment yeah. so
0: start who's who's the first one first that one that start most
1: with? most people think of that we've talked about a lot is well like i just said directors director is basically like in your like common layperson terms honestly their their role is like a supervisor like their job is to supervise the whole film and to make maintain a vision that uh that they're after and that's that's their whole thing is that they need to remain focused and on the on on point with the vision and uh make sure that that shows up and knows how to direct people to make that vision a reality knows how to utilize all these other terms that we're going to talk about the cinematographer for it whether or not the director is a cinematographer or not because there's they're not always behind the camera, and that's that's the thing mm-hmm. that they're not always controlling it. Sometimes another person controls it, and they're still a good director, and and they're not always the person who writes the movie. Um, and sometimes they do little changes, but most of the time that's a separate person. Um, so yeah, the director's job is to direct the actors, direct and the whole production, including editing, uh, pre-production, post-production, all of that. The director is in in charge of that, making sure it goes well for the producers. There's a whole
0: lot of discussion about who actually makes the movie. And I think Mm -hmm. really the director, depending on the the given film and the Mm -hmm. director's style, but I don't think there's anyone on a movie who has more say over the final look of the picture than the director. That's true. The director is involved in every other art form. There are, we're going to talk about the rest of the people here in just a Mm -hmm. second, but all of them end up looking to the director for the types of decisions that really shape the tone and the feel of the movie. Now, depending on a director's style, a director Mm -hmm. might turn over a lot of the creative control to the individual actors and the individual people Mm -hmm. uh, to where they don't really have any say in the script, they don't really have any say in the music, Mm -hmm. they're just trying to manage a big production and make sure it gets made. But those movies often don't have the same integrity that mm-hmm. a movie that has a strong directorial presence mm-hmm. does. Yeah, And so the movies that have the strong presence of a director who's been overseeing and making conscious creative decisions throughout the whole thing yep. about every individual piece to make sure they all work together in one whole to mm-hmm. serve the story, yeah. then that those are the ones that are strong. Yeah, Now that can be overplayed where the director is actually micromanaging the whole thing Kubrick. And he's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And he's not. Then, which Kubrick did it well, though. So mm-hmm. he's an exception. Yeah. But if you micromanage the whole thing, and you're the one, basically, if you're the one making the music, you're the one doing the editing. Mm-hmm. You're the one doing the filming. You're the one doing the sound design. If you do all of that, then it's impossible for you to be as good as a Hans Zimmer at composing. Yep. And so having Hans Zimmer, but giving him strong direction, mm-hmm. or even choosing who your composer is is yeah. half of the battle there mm-hmm. and then directing from there I, th- th- that that is yeah. what's going to give the strength to the picture so yeah so the director is really kind of the directors the have to be good leaders absolutely like
1: you can't have a weak leader director otherwise the weak leader directors usually end up making big budget big budget films yes where producers are really the ones who call the shots. Right. So that's in which
0: case most if it's a studio picture. Yeah. That's studio
1: executives who
0: end up making yeah. those kinds of calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's mostly to serve a an audience or a focus group, yeah. not to make good work. Yeah. So. Anyway, so let's back out to the producer. Yeah. What does the producer do?
1: Producer is are the are they the primary, primary financers of the make the, of the whole film. They're they're included in the studio heads. They're included in whoever has decided to l- give their expertise and give their their money to the project. Uh, and you'll see that typically very f- front and uh, front and center on most uh, title cards yeah. like it'll be produced by Martin Scorsese. He's all over those and sometimes yeah. even actors will be producers like Tom Hanks is all over things um, and then depending upon the director and depending upon the studio. Uh, sometimes they have a lot of say in films. Like uh, if you know Marvel, Kevin Feige, he is the executive producer, and he handles all the Marvel properties, make sure that there's continuity between through the whole brand, and that stories are good. So you can have good producers like that, and you can have bad producers where they lock directors out of editing rooms and they want what they want. But, uh, but yeah, the, that's their primary function is to finance and to maintain the brand of the movie.
0: Yep, and these are the people who are going to find the finances. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who really, if the directors are the ones responsible for the product that gets made and mm-hmm. what it looks like, the producer is the one responsible for getting it made. That In the first place, they're yeah. the, res- they're the ones, they're often some mm-hmm. of the first people to touch the movie Yeah, and they get it started and then a director will be attached. Mm-hmm. So the idea is either coming from a director, mm-hmm. if they're a director writer and then they're trying to push that through, mm-hmm. or there's a script and they're trying to match that script with the director to mm-hmm. get a product made they're the people who are putting this forward yeah. and ma- making sure things get going. Yeah.
1: Like, uh, yeah. So, like, so then, you, yeah. sorry, Oh, no. Go ahead. What do you have there? Yeah, like, I, I think another example is, uh, yeah, like you're saying, if if uh, they're, ugh. like, if you think of the Star Wars situation, I think mm-hmm. most people know oh, right, right. about the directors changing with Star Wars. Some people yep. maybe this are, was are listeners. Solo. This uh, was right. With Solo, with, with almost all of them. Of uh, the new ones, uh, they were switching directors in between, mm-hmm. uh, but still the movies were going to get made, and so that shows you that there's a force behind it. That's that force that's right. still making I the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So it doesn't really matter right. who the director is. Very rarely, not very rarely, but uh, if a movie's being made by a director and it has that sing- a lot of times that singular vision, most of the time the director is also a producer. Right. And most every film that uh, somebody directs, they have a financial stake in the film. Yeah. So.
0: so yeah there so then you've got producers you have directors uh you've got the writer there's someone who comes on in the beginning that's pretty obvious what they do (laughs) and this this sometimes means you'll see on imdb Mm -hmm. multiple writer credits and multiple people will touch the screenplay and they're not necessarily it it gets complicated whose name actually gets added and i don't understand that you can't buy
1: original scripts
0: just so you yeah. know, if anybody ever buys a script, it's not the original. It's very often something that's been doctored by three or four people, and it's been, it's like a. I'm trying to think of a good analogy of what it would be like, but it's like buying a, a piece of property that had has been kind of developed, customized yeah. along the way, like buying a car. You got yeah. the stock car, and then this guy put a you know spoiler on it. This guy changed the rims. This guy uh, put a turbo in. Yeah. And now you're getting it. As this finished custom piece, mm-hmm. that's kind of how often yeah. movie scripts go. Mm-hmm. But in the case of writer directors, it's different because the director is able to hang on to the story and kind of do what they want the
1: whole time, which is a bit more rare on like the mainstream to get a, a writer yeah. director. Like Tarantino, I think is the biggest example of uh,
0: Well, him and Christopher Nolan. Yeah, Nolan often does a lot of his own stuff. Uh, yeah, have so got or like uh, Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson wrote. The Last Jedi and directed it. He wrote Knives Out and directed it. Sweet. So you've got a writer. I didn't know that. Johnson wrote
1: his own movies. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool.
0: So you've yeah. So you've still got some of those yeah. some of those people. Uh, so who else do we have? Who would be someone else? So there's an assistant director. The assistant director is often, as I understand it, involved in schedules, mm-hmm. and it's kind of he's the sub producer who is totally responsible mm-hmm. or totally
1: underneath the director. A lot of times they'll do like some stock. Uh, stock action scenes or whatever they'll sometimes roll into that second unit director Mm -hmm. thing
0: yeah so then so there's there's multiple small yeah there's editors but but we'll jump into yeah so editors are on the back end Mm -hmm. uh
1: that's some people's job is just to edit
0: and (laughs) yeah often they get the day they get the dailies they're the ones who Mm -hmm. process the daily is a term for the footage that comes from that day they take the footage, they process it, and they'll start cutting it as the movie is being shot mm-hmm. so that then the directors can see whether or not they need more footage or uh, whether nope. or not they need to back off.
1: Piece all that together. And so
0: the editor is responsible, like it says, for taking all the footage that has been shot mm-hmm. on set and putting that together into the final form of the film. Yeah, You've got the cinematographer or the oh, yes. director of photography mm-hmm. who is responsible for the image. They're the ones who are probably second to the, re- the director Most responsible for the look of the film, that visual style. Yeah, they're the ones who are coordinating a lot of the details with the director. Mm -hmm. Underneath them, you have the camera department and the lighting slash grip. I guess it would be probably lighting, camera, Mm -hmm. and grip. Yeah. And so, grip are the people who are building the mechanic, the the structural things that are needed to support the camera and the lights. The electric and lighting—they're the ones who are responsible for the lights themselves. They get set up and where the lights get put. The director is responsible then for all of that, or the director of photography is responsible for all of that because all of that contributes to the look of the film. Yep. And then there's camera department. They are the ones obviously who are running the camera and uh, operating. And then you've got the the dit the D I T director of information technology imaging technology. Yeah. And he is the one who did different things in the past, but right now with digital technology, they handle the, the files that are coming off of the camera and make sure that those files are taken care of and duplicated and backed up and sent where they need to go to the editor and such. Yeah. Who else do we have? Who am I missing? Oh,
1: Uh, sound
0: recordist Yep. slash boom operator.
1: Oh yeah. We mentioned them. Uh, yeah, their, their job is just to get the, (laughs) get the sound and make sure that it, uh, it sounds right. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't sound like it's coming out of a tin can sound, <laughs> sound design is pretty important to make sure that, that uh, the location actually like they're, they're thinking about location sound. They're thinking about like what they're going to have to add in later and all of that yeah. stuff. Um, so their sound is very important in film and it's, and then that kind of leads into the composer and yep. obviously whatever orchestra or however they do that. Um, and the director works with all of these roles um, and has usually a good amount to say to hand in hand with that composer and determining that that uh, audio feel that they want coming out of a film, which is why I really like uh, Coen, Brother. Coen Brothers. Coen Brothers, they just have like the bet, like they just know how to pick really good people. Like Carter Burl is the guy who does all of the, whatchamacallit, uh, the Coen Brothers films, or oh, a lot okay. of them. Right. Uh, And he just makes beautiful scores. And same thing with uh, what's his face is the DOP, the uh,
0: Roger Deakins, Roger Deakins. Oh, man. He's 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 the epitome of what
1: everybody wants to be. Yeah. Like he's like, I don't know. He's like the all star. Like everybody looks at him. He's like the Michael Jordan of cinematography. And
0: he has a podcast and you most certainly should be listening to his podcast and
1: not ours. (laughs) yes so pause and then go to his (laughs) it's called
0: the roger deacons podcast really i think i think that's what it's called no it's no it's not it's i i take that back i'm gonna find the name of it yeah
1: and then you have your animators like if you're gonna be doing team team
0: deacons podcast team deacons and it is a gold mine of information on movies and that's awesome this uh let's see if i can find what episode number this is but they have done now hundreds of episodes during the pandemic and have talked to so many people they've had josh brolin on they've had everybody so mm-hmm. it's been it's a wonderful wonderful podcast that's and so cool. i highly recommend it if you're a film nerd that's the podcast you should definitely be listening i to. should be
1: listening to this podcast just yeah. as everybody who listens to this
0: yep maybe that should be my thing i'm into at some point
1: or maybe that'll be my thing i'm yeah, into next week yeah let's let's do it magically um but yeah anyway yeah. so yeah uh, who else were we missing animators Any kind of big CGI, yeah, animators that's big today
0: vfx yeah uh and there's a difference so there's a difference the special effects mm-hmm. technically if you call it special effects it's yeah. effects that are happening on set so if there's an explosion if VFX, there are that's what i'm thinking <laughs> yeah yeah if there's uh you know string people have to be on cables things mm-hmm. like that all that special effects stunt work vfx visual effects are computer-generated effects mm-hmm. added in post. Yep. And so you have the VFX artists, you have this, the special effects artist. Demolition experts. Yeah, and then there's a whole subcategory there mm-hmm. of different people who are involved. You have uh, you have the the uh, oh, one really important one we missed is the set designer or the... There's another term costume for Costume designer, set yeah, designer. you've got costume, set, makeup, hair. Uh, those people, they, I would say then, underneath the dp are the third most Mm -hmm. person who's most responsible for the look of the film because they are the art direct the art director that's something the person who's in charge of kind of the look of everything that's physically there not what's not the look of
1: how it's captured but the actual set dressings the props the they absorb all of that concept art that usually comes into at least when you're talking about bigger films they absorb all of that just like There is a
0: role that I learned about on the De- Team Deacons podcast called the prop master. Ooh. And he's the guy who or gal who are responsible for if there's a cake that's being like served up on the scene. Yeah. He's the one responsible to say how many cakes do we need because how many takes are we probably going to do of this oh, thing? Oh, man. And so he's the one responsible to make sure that anything that the actors are touching, that's his job. So if there's going to be guns on set, if there are going to be – uh, cakes, Multiple weight hammers, forks, or stuff like that. <laughs> that's his job is just those things that the actors interact with. And it sounds like a fascinating job. Like fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That'd be so cool. It'd be like, oh, I just built Mjolnir today. Yeah, uh, exactly. Acquired Mjolnir from this contractor. Oh, it's pretty cool. Wonderful. Yeah.
0: So that's, that's there's there. And there's a host of so other jobs more. underneath this. This is why the credits roll for five minutes at the end. Yeah. And if you ever want to find baby names, Go there. That's where if that's you, where we went. If you ever <laughs> want to find uh, random jobs that people do on the movie sets, mm-hmm.
1: go there. Too. Well, now you guys know what a grip is. Yep. And there's riggers, and there's all sorts of crazy things. There's
0: the key grip. There's the best boy grip. There's mm-hmm. all sorts of interesting so titles and things. Go check it out. Have fun. There is somewhere there's a spider a, coming down right next to oh, you. Oh, hey, look at this. Since we have a video podcast, you're gonna have to come check this out as this spider drops down to. Hang out on my iPad, but I think I'm going to put them on the floor. Good anyway. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there are also spiders on sets very often. Yeah. Sometimes they're done visually through visual effects. Other times they're special effects. Mm-hmm. But you know, in this case, ours was a totally in camera effect. This yep. was not VFX mm-hmm. for real. It wasn't a puppet. No puppets. Either. No. There was there were I know you couldn't tell, but there was no little people inside there moving those arms. Yep. Yeah. So. That's our random talk about Hail Caesar yeah. and walk through some of the roles on a movie set. Yeah. As we close, Elijah, one, what is the role on set that you would want? Oh, the role. What do role? you want to do?
1: What do I want to do? Do you want to be the boss man at the top? I do. I want to be a director. Absolutely. That's yeah. what I want to be too. Slash, I want to be a writer director. Nice. Slash DOP. I dig it. I, I don't have it. the skills, <laughs> but I would love to do all of those things. Yeah.
0: I think director for sure mm-hmm. and director of cinematography would be a runner yeah. up. Mm-hmm. So. We yeah. just like being in charge and dominating, yep. and that's why we started our own podcast. And That's it. That's that's the end of the story. It's the rule of two. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to the end of this podcast once again. It is uh, wonderful to have you hanging out here with us. Yeah. You can help us out by giving us a review on your podcast uh, platform of choice. Share your this uh, podcast with your friends, and we'd love to hear from you ideas for future episodes, comments on previous episodes, you can reach us at podcast at foxfirefarmhouse.com. And please,
1: please, please, write the review. Write the review. Don't just leave a cowardly two star. (laughs) I saw that. Tell us why you think it's two star. I I would love to I'm sorry, I don't want to offend you. But you just you just you left you just left it. Left it hanging open. Please tell me what I can work on.
0: That's as bad as a five. I feel like star, it,
1: this is like a breakup. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, thanks again yeah. for being here, and we will be with you <laughs> next time for All episode right. six. We'll Goodbye. Bye.